Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews. But now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Alexa, who is Adam Ferrara? Adam Ferrara is an American actor and comedian known for playing the roles of Chief Needles Nelson on Rescue Me, Sergeant Frank Virelli opposite Edie Falco on Nurse Jackie. He was a co-host on the U.S. version of Top Gear. He has had three Comedy Central specials and his new album is called It's Scary in Here. Adam's new podcast is a big hit and available everywhere. Sounds like it could be funny. Sounds to me like 30 minutes you'll never get back. There you are. You made it. Now we can start the show. And we got a great show for you again this week. My guest in the ADD interview is writer, producer, showrunner of the new Dexter reboot on Showtime. It's my pal, Clyde Phillips. And we want to welcome everyone from our Talk To Me Tuesday family. That's a conversation we have every week, 9 o'clock Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. Go to my website, click the link, and join us. And our superfan shout-out is for Riley. Say hi to Riley, everybody. Hey, Riley. Riley, how you doing? How are you, Riley? And I want to read us an email. We got a very nice email from Anita. Anita, of course. He's a friend of ours. And Anita says, <laughs> I just want to let you guys know how much I enjoy the podcast. As an essential worker, you guys make my drive to work on Thursday mornings very enjoyable. I listen to your show in my car. It makes me laugh and keeps me from yelling at other drivers. <laughs> That's Keep good. Up. Yeah. Keep up the good work, and I will leave a review to help you with your friend Al Go Rhythm. <laughs> That's great. Thank you guys so much, and that is from Anita. Hello, Anita. Isn't that nice? Thank you, Anita. That's Very cool. nice. Yeah, I, I, I should probably take uh, a page out of Anita's book and listen to our show when I'm driving. Yeah. Because I think, uh, have we documented the road rage that I deal with all the time? I'll be honest with you. I, I never really said this out loud, so I'll take this opportunity, Mark. I think uh, you're a, I need a therapist. 
Because you're <laughs> Mark, he's a very lovely man. You're very upbeat, positive. One of my dearest friends. Put him behind the wheel, and it's Death Race 2000. <laughs> Uh, I, I do get agitated. Pretty I did not know this about you, Stern. Oh yeah. God, he picked me up one. He picked me up, and we get in the car. You all smile over, and all of a sudden, he just he's like ripped the mask off. Like, <laughs> look at this guy. I find that hard to believe. Oh no, oh no. Ask my, I've seen it. That's why. That's why I don't let you ride with Mark. <laughs> that bad. Yeah. Well, I I have. I'm working on it. This has been something this is something I, I have noticed is a problem with me. And I've, I've had a couple of flashpoints mm-hmm. where I really had to take a step back and be like, you need to calm down. Uh, like very recently, I was I was driving and I was running late because I'm always late mm-hmm. and a bus and it was traffic and the bus could see that it wasn't going to clear the light. But the bus didn't care. And the bus just went in and blocked the box and it blocked it. Not for one, <laughs> not two, but three like things of the light, right? Mm-hmm. When the light was red to green. And finally, after the third time, I had had it. And I want you to picture, if anybody can remember Benny Hill, like that music. That's me. Yeah, give sax. That's me, like getting out of my car, feet moving really fast, going right up to the door of the bus, shaking my fist and screaming at the bus driver. And you know what the bus driver did? What? Turned around and laughed at me. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> what, 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 what did he say? Hey, I thought there were seven of you. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So I, I, I recognize I've got a problem. Yeah. I mean, I know I can't be the only one. I mean, you guys, I mean, we all deal with idiots out there that just drive you nuts when you encounter them on the road. I know I'm not alone on this, right? No, I, I'll tell you right now, man. I had a guy yell at me a couple of weeks ago for parking like shit. But it wasn't my fault because the person next to me parked like crap, right? Then I went into the store and came out. They were gone. Now I'm the asshole. <laughs> That's you know what I mean? Worst, yes. Isn't that the worst? And then the universe, of course, <laughs> the universe then drops someone right next to me at the same time I'm putting my groceries in the trunk, right? right. They're like, what's wrong with you? No, you know what the guy said to me? He goes, who taught you how to park? <laughs> and I go, so you're not mad at me. You're mad at my dad. Really? You fuck? <laughs> you know, my dad died. He's like, holy shit. Whatever, man. But that's not road rage. That's parking lot rage. <laughs> I, it still counts. Uh, it still yeah, counts. That well, still counts. You guys, you get a little heated. I don't myself get heated. Mm-hmm. I don't get road rage, but I probably have caused road rage. Really? Yeah. Well, I, you've caused it in the car when you took somebody else's side when I'm yelling at somebody. I'll tell you that. <laughs> well, no, no. This is what I do. Adam, just calm down. Adam, it's not worth it. Mm. Adam, look the other way. Nope, nope. I got to look this guy in the eye. Yep. I yep. want you to know that I know what you just did. <laughs> I want you to feel shame. Yes, yep. I do. I will shame you with my eyes. <laughs> I pulled a road rage judo move. Judo move? Yeah. The, the road rage energy was coming at me, mm-hmm. and I quickly turned it on the guy who was throwing it at me. Oh, okay. Yeah, he was in, he was in an S-Class Mercedes, and I was in a rent-a-car. I was at the apartment in New York, and I had a gig. So uh, I rented a car, and you got to go through the Holland Tunnel. And there's the there's the unspoken social contract when you merge. You let a car in front of you, and then you go behind him, and then that car right. goes behind you. It's like a zipper. That's what you do. Y- well, yes. Right. So I let the guy in front of me, and I'm ready to go take my spot, mm-hmm. and Mr. S-Class Mercedes is on this guy's bumper. So it was your turn. It was my turn. 
Yeah. Clearly, it was my turn. <laughs> and, <laughs> clearly, yes. And and S class kept we're bumper to bumper, and I see him, and he's not. It's getting to the point where someone's got to give, and mm-hmm. it ain't gonna be me. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's your turn. Because it's my turn, exactly. So. He's got smoked windows, and they're up. Oh. But I see vape or smoke coming out of the sunroof. So I know the sunroof is open. All right. So I roll down my passenger window because I know he can hear me. (laughs) And I just yelled out, this is a -a rent-a-car with full insurance. For $24, I'm going to ruin your whole day. (laughs) (laughs) And what happened? I took my rightful place. <laughs> he, he heard you. Hell Genius. yes, he heard me. Yeah, did he back off? Yeah. I, I want to rent a car now just to do that. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Remember you told me about that? You said always get full insurance. Always get full insurance. Because remember once there was like a rock in your back seat. Yeah, I always I always get the full insurance because, you know, because I got the, Ameri- the, the, the American Express card. Well, we cover you. You don't have to pay for it. Yeah, but you got to go to them to get the money. You got to lay the money out first. It's a pain in the ass. So I always get the insurance. It just makes things easier. And somebody threw a rock through the, uh, the rear window. I drove back to the Burbank airport with the rock still in the car. <laughs> Guy said, what happened? I said, someone threw a rock in there. He looked at me and goes, you got full insurance. Have a safe flight. So long. You can keep the rock. Ooh. And I left. Wow. It was a big rock, right? Big rock, yeah. I'm like, who, who threw the rock? I didn't have time to investigate, Philip. I just said <laughs> I got to make a plane. He didn't care. I'm just He's curious. Like, who the hell would throw a rock at your car? It, there wasn't a note tied to it. Like, you're not funny. <laughs> <laughs> it's a curious, it's a, it's a yeah. standard question. Like, I hate Top Gear. What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sure, it wasn't somebody like Leary's like, oh, Adam will love this bit. Watch this. Yeah. Hey, fucker. <laughs> Yeah. So what are you calling this move? Judo? This is Road Rage Judo move. I'm going to call it the Road Rage Boomerang. That works too. I like it. Cobra Kai. That's right. So I had regret. Um, It was Friday and I I was in line at the bank. Mm. And again, I'm in a little bit of a hurry. There's there's a woman in front of me and she's not even at the ATM yet. She's like 10 feet in front of the ATM. There's nobody there. So we're like in in like pre-flight to get to the ATM. Finally, after like six minutes, she pulls up to the ATM and I don't know what was going on. She was doing transactions with Zimbabwe. I don't know. There's a (laughs) lot of deposits, checking accounts, and it's taking forever. I need your help. I am related to this Nigerian prince. (laughs) Do you have any idea the money that hangs in the balance? In my head, I am screaming at this woman, but I'm trying to keep my cool. So I might have muttered to myself, what is going on here? But I didn't yell. Didn't yell. Didn't do anything. <laughs> Someone in the parking lot getting in out of their car honks their horn. Mm-hmm. Then all of a sudden, this old woman, and she's probably in her 70s, she raises her hand out and flips me off. And I'm like, oh, wow. come on. I didn't do anything. Then... She gets out of the car and she turns around and she starts to lecture me. She says, how dare you? I've been in line at the bank a thousand times and I've never honked at somebody. And I say, lady, I didn't honk at you. And she goes, oh, now at that point, I had the moral high ground. Right. I quickly lost it because then I said, so why don't you go F yourself? Oh, 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 like the proud Bostonian that I am. That was what came out of my mouth. That's what I said to an old lady. So then she gets then she gets angry. She's yelling and she gets back in her car and she's clearly flustered and she pulls out of the ATM and I pull up. And what does the screen say? Would you like your card back? (laughs) 
I'm like, oh my oh, gosh. Oh, so she she left yeah. her card in the machine. Yes, because she was so flustered by her encounter. Okay. So now I get the card because I'm like, look, I got to get the card for it because it's Friday. I know what a hassle is to not have your ATM card. So she's pulling out of the bank lot. What do I do? <laughs> I start hawking my horn. Oh. Like, hey, hey. <laughs> now she's like, this guy's a maniac. She's, just, <laughs> she's terrified of me, right? So she's, she's, she's pulling out. She's like, oh, my God, I got to get away from this guy. And I'm like, I can't chase her down in my car. I park the car. I just get out of the car. It's still running. And I start chasing her down the street. And she's like, sees me in a rear view window. She's like, oh, my God, this guy's going to kill me. Oh, my God. <laughs> And finally catch up to her. And she's like, what do you want? Oh, my God. What do you want? Just go away. Please leave me, please. I was like, ma'am, you left your card. Here it is. And then she kind of gave me a half-hearted like, oh, oh, thank you. I, I'm sorry. I, and said sorry. is like, I guess I'm sorry. Like that kind of sorry. And it wasn't a sorry you expected. It wasn't the sorry I deserved. Yeah, okay, there it is. <laughs> yeah. There it is. Okay, okay. I deserved it. I've been wrongly accused, and all of a sudden, <laughs> and I'm doing a nice thing. I'm taking the friggin' high road for you, lady. <laughs> yeah. Right, right. Shift your tone right now. Oh but I didn't say God. anything. I just, I just, I just turned around and I walked away. So, Mark, yeah. I, have I you learned your lesson? What what lesson am I supposed the to The lesson is you should have kept the card. <laughs> right. <laughs> yes, I've learned that lesson. You know what I would have done? I would have kept the card. I would have bought a book on manners, charged it to her card, and sent it to her. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> well, you know what, Mark? Thank you for sharing that. I'm glad we can talk about our rage so it doesn't build mm-hmm. up and we yes. become serial killers. See that that that's what I wanted to do with the show. I wanted I wanted to share our family with everybody else, and I wanted a place where we could work out our issues through the show, so we could have some kind of healing. It's not yes. working. It's not. <laughs> was that what that this was all about? It's not working at all. Yeah. But when I was <laughs> talk when I was talking to Clyde, he works out his issues uh, through his work, uh, and he's a, he's a very accomplished man. He he's written novels. He was the showrunner on Nurse Jackie. That's where I met him. Uh, he was the showrunner on the original Dexter, and now he's also doing the reboot. So give a listen to this, and we will see you on the other side. Road rage happens because people don't live in reality. In the real world, people do cut people off. That's reality. So when we align our expectations with the world the way we want it to be, then we can get really heated when people break our imaginary rules. I will shame you with my eyes. <laughs> You're listening to the Adam Ferrara podcast. This is 30 minutes you'll never get back. These are longer than 30 minutes. Don't bullshit me. You can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because you know if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that. 
and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. I have some stand updates. <gasps> Things are opening up? Yes, and I'm going back out on the road. Yay. February 25th through the 27th, I will be at Helium in Philadelphia. Love that club. Wait, there's more. March 4th through the 6th, I will be at Helium in St. Louis. Philadelphia and St. Louis coming up. I'll put a link for the tickets in the show notes. Yes, or you can just go to my website and click the link there, or you can go to Helium and click the link there. Look, we want to make it easy for you to come see me. Mm-hmm. And if you can make any of these gigs, please come up after the show and let me thank you from a safe distance. Yeah, what do you say? I'm going to be... Funny and disinfected. (laughs) I love that. Pay attention when I'm talking to you, boy. ADHD, it's not just for kids. Nice boy, but doesn't listen to a word you say. Welcome to the ADD interview. It's not that you're not interesting, it's just that I can't focus. And my guest this week is... Oh, look, a bird! If you own a television, chances are you've seen my guest's work in your very own home. The TV shows include Parker Lewis, Can't Lose, Suddenly Susan, Dexter, Nurse Jackie, Feed the Beast. Uh, He is a writer and author. His novels include uh, Fall from Grace, Unthinkable, Blindsided, and Sacrifice. And I am very grateful he has made time for us today. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it's my pal Clyde Phillips. How are you, baby? I'm good, man. It's great to be here. Yeah, it's nice to see you again, my friend. You doing well? Yeah, I'm doing great. You know the news, which we'll get to, so... Yes, I know. Of course, you know the news. We're going to dive right into it. Your latest project is the 10 episode limited series on Showtime, Dexter. Yes, we're bringing Dexter back. We start shooting um, the end of January. Mm-hmm. I, got, I got a phone call from Showtime a year ago last summer saying, Will you do it? And um, I said, I would love to. I mean, I, leaving the show was the hardest thing I've ever done. Mm-hmm. Going, going back to it with was the easiest thing I've ever done in my career. Well, I wanted to talk to you about that. I was partial to the first four years, which is what you worked on. Uh, yes. And the Lithgow uh, season, I thought, was just epic. I mean, there was a bunch of awards, a bunch of accolades, and it was... Uh, Golden Globe, Buddy, Emmy. The John Lithgow um, season is regarded as one of the best seasons of television ever. In yeah. The top one. Yeah. Yeah. And then that's why I wanted to ask you, it was right after that season where you left and you came to Nurse Jackie, which is where I met you. 
But I was when I was doing my research on you, I'm going, I got to ask him because that had to hurt. Well, do you mean why I left? That seemed to me to be a very difficult decision to make. I, I know a little bit about where you are and where you wanted to be, but I wanted to ask you about the process of making that decision. Sure. I lived at the time in Connecticut. Mm-hmm. And um, I have a wife and daughter. And I was basically working in Los Angeles to earn a lifestyle mm. that I wasn't living. Right. Uh, I was away from my family. I would dramatically fly home for my daughter's birthday or my daughter's ballet recital or my anniversary or whatever it was. And I spent dozens of hours a month on an airplane. And uh, it, it just wasn't the way I wanted to live. I wanted to enjoy my family, enjoy my home. And when news got out that I was leaving, I was approached by, uh, immodestly, I have to say, um, uh, I was approached by a number of studios wanting to make a deal with me. Mm-hmm. And uh, Lionsgate came on the strongest and Lionsgate was producing Nurse Jackie. And well, first, first I went, I went with Lionsgate and then made a deal at HBO to uh, write a pilot. Mm-hmm. And HBO was desperate to get me away from Showtime because Showtime had stolen so many people from HBO, Edie Falco, sure. um, that I was able to get a nice little inflation and uh, wrote that script. And then um, the Nurse Jackie thing came along. I was actually at Showtime pitching a pilot that they bought in the room. And they said, and I was with Kevin Beggs, who was the chairman of, of Lionsgate at the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, they said, we got to close the door. Here's what's going on. We're going to either cancel Nurse Jackie mm-hmm. or we'll pick it up if Clyde does it. And all I'm thinking is, I got to call my agent. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so I had gotten wind of this from uh, somebody at Showtime. So I had researched the show a little bit, watched the first four years, saw where it, it didn't need to be touched, saw where it needed improvement, mm-hmm. um, and uh, was able to talk about it in the room. And it all happened just like that. It was the same experience for me. It's one of those things where it's those moments where you just know it's those straight to wardrobe moments. Yeah, it's, it's, when, when I'm in casting. When I'm doing casting, I have the same phrase. Mm. I write OTW if I love somebody, right? Off to wardrobe. Yeah. Go get fitted. Yeah, it's that feeling you have. It's it's inexplicable, but it's undeniable when it happens. Here's what I wanted to ask you about making that decision. And I'm torn between this thing as well, is caring for your family, being for your family, and feeding your family. Yes. So to give up that work, I mean, you were in a a position because you were riding high. So you got to... You, know, you, you had people knocking on your door. But it's a good point. Uh, Adam. Luckily for me, I've been able to matriculate to a place in my career where, and again, forgive the immodesty, mm. when I know the phone will ring. Right. And it does. I mean, look at ringing again on, uh, on this Nurse Jackie reboot. Yeah. Uh, not Nurse Jackie, Dexter reboot. I was going to say my phone didn't ring yet. You better not write me out, Phillips. <laughs> no, I, I know you'll always come crawling back. <laughs> Well, yeah, that's the thing. It's learning to trust in your ability to overcome. My wife tells me I have no trust in the universe. And I'm like, well, take a fucking look at it. (laughs) Would you? Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I don't think of myself as an optimist or a pessimist. I think of myself as a realist. Okay. I'm married to a happy Italian. I'm a gloomy Jew. Right. Right. And and so my wife's always in a great mood. Everything is terrific. And I'm I'm dealing. I I consider myself a realist. And if you look out the window... Reality isn't so great right now. Yeah. Well, give me the difference between realist and pessimist. Realist is what is, in my opinion. It's acknowledging what is Mm -hmm. uh, rather than ignoring the plague. Right. 
you know, ignoring this pandemic as millions of people are doing. Right. That's not being realistic. Right. Okay. This is one thing I wanted to ask you too. And it's not really pessimist as much as it, it is a, a protective measure of pessimism. Anger is kind of easy. Just as an actor, mm-hmm. the physical manifestation, I can get there real quick. One, because of my upbringing and the yelling and the reacting rather than responding. But physically, you have to be more compressed. You're in battle mode. You're protecting your organs. Your eyes are peeled. You're looking for danger. Your jaw is clenched. Your hands are clenched. It's a solid energy to hold on to. Anger and pessimism is, is an offshoot of that. Happy yeah. is hard because you, you got to put space. You got to get vulnerable in there. You got to let light come in. But it, it's really interesting that you say you got to let light come in. I had a really shitty childhood. Right. And I grew up in Dorchester, which is a suburb of Boston, not even a suburb. And through therapy, mm-hmm. years of therapy, I would sit there and talk with my shrink, whom I still talk to, and would talk about the fact that I was unhappy or, or, or not able to find happiness in, in happy moments. Mm-hmm. And um, by the way, I thought we were going to be talking about Dexter for an hour, but I'll, I'll, talk, <laughs> I'll tell you all my secret secrets instead. <laughs> and I would have these dreams about entering a dark cave right. and being terrified. And it was, a, it was a recurring dream for years. And then one day, Charles, my shrink, said, what if what's in that cave is joy and you've never had joy Mm. and that's terrifying to you and that was an epiphany and that really helped me make a turn to appreciate also having a kid right uh, to allow the light in as you said yeah to um acknowledge the potential of joy and then enjoy joy yeah to trust the experience of having it yes yes yeah and to put that into context of Dexter, I wanted to ask you this, because one of the lines in the pilot that struck me that was just, I, I thought was brilliant, was Jennifer Carpenter, the actress who played Dexter's sister, leaves a message, yeah. fucking call me yeah. back, something to that effect. And yeah. he says, that's my foul mouth sister. If I could love anybody, I could if love I her. Could, yes. Boom. Yes. Right there. I know who this guy is. I know what he can do. I know what he can't do. I know that he knows he can't do it. That's the whole thing. Right there. If I were, if, if I were capable of love. I would love her. Yeah, that yeah. was it. I just went, that's brilliant. And that was that line always stuck with me, just as not only as a piece of writing, to admire it as a piece of writing, to get all that pipe out in that fucking sentence, but to have that depth of the character that I'm just meeting be yes, presented to me. Two things about that. First thing is, I'm not sure if I wrote that line. Take credit um, for it. It's fucking great. <laughs> um, the second thing is, what it reveals right away is that Dexter is on the spectrum. Mm-hmm. And he's telling, and he's telling you in in a sort of oblique, not hammer over your head kind of way, and if in a subtle kind of way, um, that he's not capable of love. In that, when he um, has a girlfriend, when he starts a family, it's all a charade mm-hmm. because he is not just a sociopath; he's a psychopath. Yeah. Okay. Uh, this is. I wanted to ask you that too because he said it's a charade, but it's one that he's fulfilling till he feels it. I always got the sense of it's take it to your maker because his father told him, "You got this thing. You got to use it for good. Good lives over there." I, I, I added that last piece, but just as a direction, you know. Right. So we actually are addressing that in the upcoming limited series that we're doing because that's child abuse. Yeah. If you've got a kid that is that fucked up, then you've got to help him rather than put a gun in his hand and say, 
go out there and do it for good and give your kid a code and make sure he follows that code. And then it's okay to go out there and kill people. Mm -hmm. You just don't get to kill people. In fact, we have all in our lives, I'm sure you have too, laying in bed and thinking about, you know what? That son of a bitch who's picking on my kid, I want to go over there and kill him. Oh, yeah. You know, but the thing is, we don't do it because we're not crazy. Yeah. I don't want to be crazy. might be a bad word because we're not sociopathic or psychopathic. Right. Plus, I don't don't want to call my uncle and open up that door because then I'm going to owe him. (laughs) But the point is, you know, that we don't do it. In fact, a couple of times while I was doing the show, there would be a murder in the Midwest or someplace. And they would say, well, I learned to do that from uh, from Dexter. Mm. And then I'd get a phone call from CNN or someplace and until I stopped taking those calls because right. more and more people would say it. And I said, if the person who did this crime cannot tell the difference between fact and fiction, that's not my problem. Without violence in the arts, there'd be no Homer, there'd be no Shakespeare, there'd be no Mark Twain or, or Stephen King, or you pick, pick your author. Spider-Man. Or, or playwright. No, Spider-Man. No, you, no Spider-Man. Yeah, you got to know the difference. I need a hero, Clyde. I need Spider-Man. <laughs> and I can't be responsible for everybody in the world. Well, yeah. Plus, it's not really accurate, because if he did learn how to do it from Dexter, he would have got away with it. So don't blame That's me. A good point. <laughs> That's a good point. One of the things I like about your work is the presentation of the struggle between want and need. I think you do that very well. Well, that's interesting. Thank you. It's interesting to say that because moving from Dexter to Nurse Jackie, mm-hmm. moving from the heaviest drama on TV to kind of a Nurse Jackie was supposed to be a comedy, but it really wasn't. Dramedy. But yeah, a dramedy. Thank you. It wasn't that hard. Mm-hmm. I'm dealing with a fucked up main character who I want to love. Yeah. And uh, Edie Falco, just looking at her and, and listening to her, you love her. And you feel for her. I mean, you played her lover, so you, you know. You're telling me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Dexter, you know, people ask all the time, why do I like this guy? Yeah. Why do I, television viewer, want to bring this serial killer into my home every Sunday night? And the answer really lies in a little secret in the show, which is voiceover. Mm. It makes him accessible. He gives voice to a lot of what we're feeling and what we're thinking. The difference being that he acts on it. But we also learn not only about what we're feeling, we learn what he's feeling. And we watch him learn how to be human, in quotes, by his watching other people. Yeah. Because he doesn't have those feelings. Yeah. Two things. One is the writing of that, the voiceover of that is a great device. It's also, I always felt it was the act. If you look at the antiheroes that I loved, Gandolfini had a gentleness about him. Yes. There was a gentleness in James. Um Leary's got that too. You know, he, he'll scream and yell, but you still root for him. Um, John Hamm. Yeah, yeah. Don Draper. Yeah, all the Ellis stuff. Edie had it. Uh, Michael C. Hall has it. So it's 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 in the the casting, the writing, and the device. It's also those two characters, Dexter and Jackie, were anesthetizing themselves to happy. Yes, that's a that's a really good point. And, and part of the thing with with Jackie is, and what's also with Dexter is, as the series went on. They destroy everybody around them. Mm-hmm. They destroy all the relationships. I mean, that was the big thing that I wanted when I took over Jackie was for the consequences to get bigger. You know, she lost you. Yeah. She lost Zoe. Mm-hmm. Um, she lost um, Acolytus. Um, 
and finally, did you did you see the finale? I did in tears, but I saw it. Did you when I wrote it? And yes. Did you think that she was dead or alive at the end? I thought she passed away with her eyes open. I, that's what I thought. Yeah. Uh, and I, I thought think the eyes open was a great choice too. By the way, I love that. I was like, oh, yeah, look I, what she did to me. <laughs> I thought she was alive, but yeah. <laughs> but I wanted the debate to continue, and I wanted the show to kind of continue for a while. Mm-hmm. And here's a mastery of Jackie. I mean, you as an actor will know this. She's lying on, of, of Edie rather. She's lying on the floor. All the other actors are touching her because, you know, they're trying to rub her into um, awake. Mm-hmm. And there's a camera right in her face and the crew and the sound guy and everybody there. And, you know, there's 13 people within five inches of her. And she just looks into the lens with a, half little look raises one lip and then closes her eyes Mm -hmm. um and that's as subtle as you can get um in acting and the fact that half the people think she died half the people think she lived yeah it was a perfect moment that will i that one was perfect i will quibble with the way dexter ended and and my question to you is this was that part of the reason to bring back this limited series it's a couple of things yeah i mean Look, I don't want to speak ill because I, not because I'm being polite, but because I wasn't in the room for the last four years. Mm -hmm. And so the show took on a life of its own and it wasn't a good life, I don't think. No. And I I think if you, and this this isn't just me shitting on the people who did their best they could, but if you look up the worst 10 television series finales of all time, every list will have Dexter on it. Yeah. So there is part of that. There's also a couple of other things. There's a lot more story to be told. Mm-hmm. And the next thing, all the scripts are written. I wrote the first and last one. And uh, it's amazing. Also, the, I mean, all 10 of them are amazing. Also, the the show was hugely successful for Showtime. It put Showtime on the map. Sure. That, that and uh, Weeds, mm-hmm. they started in the same season. Uh, I think Weeds might have even come a year before. But those shows made, or Dexter helped make Showtime. In an interesting aside, after the first season of Dexter, we had about 800,000 viewers uh, at Showtime. And then the writer's strike came. And we struck for months and months and months. And CBS owns Showtime. Mm-hmm. CBS was running out of content. So they took Dexter. Yeah, you cleaned it up. Cleaned it up a little, just a little bit. Dexter's really not that gross. But cleaned it up and aired it on CBS. And then suddenly 6 million people are watching it. Strike ends. We get picked up for another year, and we went from 800,000 to 3 million. Mm-hmm. So that meant that 2 million more people subscribed to Showtime. And it kept going up exponentially every year. So it's a big asset for Showtime. So not just creatively, but in a business sense, too, I think it's a great decision on their part. And yeah. I'm, I'm so thrilled to be doing it. Yeah, and it seemed like a happy house. And I found Jackie to be that way too. And one of the reasons that I found Jackie to be so satisfying was working with the caliber of people I got to work with. But there seemed to be, you, you steered the ship as the showrunner, but that's that, that's steering the ship for an actor. You feel a sense of you're in a state of becoming along with the creative process. Does that make sense? You're like in the stream following. Yeah, it, it's, um, there's a saying among people who do what I do, mm. that if you have, if you have an actor or actress whose name is the title, like Nurse Jackie or Dexter. Mm-hmm. The first year they work for you, the second year you work together, and every year afterward you work for the actor. <laughs> um, so the happy house, as, you, as you're talking about it, 
comes from the top down. And I don't mean me as the top. I mean, ja- Edie Falco. Yeah. You, you saw what she was like with the crew. Sure. You know, we lived with Superstorm Sandy together. Yes. Uh, and Michael Hall's the same way, too. He's a very generous actor, is very concerned about the crew and, and safety. And now, look, we're, gonna, we're going into shooting a show in the COVID era. Yeah. So there are many challenges to be had there, mm. too. How much of breaking the story was a uh, a collaboration between you, Michael, and Showtime? For the new season? For the new season, yes. So Showtime called me up, and then I sat with my writing assistant, mm-hmm. uh, who's also who came onto the show as a staff writer. And we, we, we kind of knew the parameters of where they wanted it to take place. So we sat in, my, his name is Mark Musinski. We sat and talked and talked and talked for days and days and days. Mm-hmm. And then... I wrote up a draft of, of what I saw the season generally to be. And then I went to New York to meet with Michael, Michael C. Hall, and ran this by him, just talked for an hour. Mm-hmm. And he had a couple of questions and I answered them or I said, oh, that's a better idea than what I had. And then he uh, said, I love it. I'm in. Gave me a hug back in the days when you could hug somebody. Sure. And, and um, I called Showtime. They were delighted. And then I, put together um, a writing staff and um, I basically hired half the people I'd worked with before. We had a very diverse room. It was half women and then other racial diversity and and a lot of good voices. And then I I, I flew back to LA in August. We set up offices. Uh, We set up the big whiteboards in the, you know, in the writing room. And for the first two weeks, you, you just do what we call NPO, which is no particular order just shit you'd like to see happen during the season, you know? And we put all those on the, on the board and I would say a third of them stayed. Right. You know, the avalanche went away. So you, yeah. you're batting over 300. That's pretty good. Yeah, that is good. And then what you do is you, we knew where it was going to end. Right. You know, I, I write mystery novels, as you mentioned, and you, you got, you kind of need to know the ending. So you put your nose against that ending and you walk backward and you just yeah. fill it all in until you've got a beginning until you know what the beginning needs to be, then you go back forward again. Yeah. So then now you've got the whole season and then pitch it to Michael, pitch it to Showtime, take their notes. And then we then take each episode and start breaking that collectively mm-hmm. because we weren't like with, when you were on Jackie, we were writing and shooting at the same time. We had the luxury of just being able to write. Yeah. And I didn't have to go off to you know leave the room and go to editing for two hours or go to musicing for two hours or go to the set, you know, to deal with some asshole actor, no offense. Um, <laughs> well, that's, that's what people should know. I mean, you know, in movies, the director is the guy wearing the captain's hat. You're the show, so you got to do, you got to put out all these fires. You got to do all kinds of stuff. You're running all over the place in television. It's the showrunner, and that's you. That's true. And, and also, if a script comes in and it's not up to par, I'm the one who either chooses who rewrites it or I rewrite it myself. Right. You know, I can't tell you how many times on various shows that I've done where you're sitting there on a Thursday reading a script and going, well, there goes my fucking weekend. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Especially in multi-camera, you can tell like this was a 3 a.m. joke. We yes. Got, we got yeah. to come up with better. So I, I did. I worked in multi-cam and at three o'clock in the morning, it doesn't get better. It just gets different. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I wanted to go back and ask you because you said something where you said you were deciding where the show was going to be. I know you're not going to give anything away, but I'm guessing it's not going to be in Miami. Correct. All right. And I'm guessing it's not going to be in a lumberjack setting. 
Correct. All right. That's probably all that's I'm going to get. That's all you're getting. That's all I'm getting. <laughs> the show is revisited. What is it, 10 years? No, it played. It was eight seasons. I did the first four. No, no. Since since the last episode, oh, 10 years. Uh, I think a little less. A little less? All right. Yeah. Let me ask you this. In that time when Dexter's up in the woods, and in that time when we see him again, mm-hmm. how has he changed? Um, let me see how I can say this without... He has moved to a place, physically moved mm-hmm. to a place where there's less temptation so that he can try to be abstinent. Okay. But people who deserve to die cross his path once again, and he's got to do something about it. Well, there's no shortage of that on this planet. <laughs> Let me ask you this. Okay. In that same time frame, how have you changed? Well, that's a really interesting question. I, I think that because I'm always, it's like a, an athlete. If you're always doing it, you get better at it. Mm-hmm. And um, my first year of Dexter, I was a damn good producer. And my fourth year of Dexter, I was an amazing producer mm-hmm. and writer. And, you know, again, having written the first and 10th episodes of the new reboot, I think the 10th episode is the best thing I've written. That's good. Hey, that's a bold statement. I've read some of your shit. Thanks, man. <laughs> yeah. I wanted to ask you this. How much of things that you want to address in your life end up in your characters? Well, a lot. Because, as I mentioned, I had such a shitty childhood and mm-hmm. a terrible father. Right. And I'm always writing about fathers and sons. And so that becomes a theme. It's, it's in my books. It's in um, my scripts. It's why, it's why I was so pissed off at Harry, Dexter's father, for what he did to his, to his own son. Mm-hmm. And I have striven to rectify that in the next go-around here. If you could label the energy you write from regarding that experience, mm-hmm. give that a name for me, will you? Sure. Certitude. Okay. I know I'm right. I've experienced it. Mm-hmm. Nobody can take that away from me or argue it out of me. Mm-hmm. Um, it's authentic. Okay. So it's, it's authentic to your experience. When you put it into a character, what do you get out of seeing that being presented in front of you while you're in the witness state? Because now your pain, your angst, whatever you want to address is coming back at you through somebody else. So you're, ab- right. you're obviously experiencing it. So I want to know how that registers with you. Sometimes it's painful. Yeah. Uh, sometimes what I've written is not exactly what happened in my life, but something that could have happened had I allowed my life to remain as shitty as it was. I broke right. away from the family mm-hmm. at, a, at a very early age. I mean, a young teenager. I was born when my mother was 17. Mm-hmm. So part of her died when I was born. Right. You know, I mean, her future and all of this. And, and they, they didn't really like me. And here's a, a weird side note. My mother died on my birthday. 11 years ago. So I get a sense of satisfaction at having the story be told without anybody ne- necessarily knowing that it's my story. Right. You know, it, I well, mean, I just went and fucked that up for you, Clyde. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's okay. I'll, I'll cry later. <laughs> Is there any sense of closure or healing that comes out of it? Have you experienced that? Um, yes, but, but that is concomitant with being a parent. Mm-hmm. And in fact, when Jane, my wife, Jane, his wife, uh, <laughs> uh, was pregnant, I wrote her a note and got her a little Tiffany feeding spoon. Sure. And, with, and the note was, the sins of the father end with me. Ah, that's good. And I've, I've striven, you've striven twice and three times now in this, in this conversation, mm-hmm. um, to do everything I could to be a good dad. 
and 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 I've got an amazing kid uh, daughter mm. <laughs> just gra- graduated from Barnard in uh, 2019 so luckily she got out a year before the COVID hit so she got to have a graduation to have the full experience right and she majored in writing mm-hmm. and uh, there were nine writing awards and she won two of them that's great yeah she's an incredible kid she's just wonderful that's great. I will tell you, we've had a couple of conversations, not in the, as in this depth, but I wanted to talk to you to ask you these questions because there's always but I, I've had a residence with you. you. You even allowed me to wander into your office and play your guitar a couple of times. Just <laughs> right yeah, I see it. Just, just fucking around on the set. Um, yeah. And when I heard you say, you know, it, it ends with me, there's a, a line in the sand that I've experienced too, just to be a better man for my wife. I'm like, this, this doesn't work. This doesn't serve mm-hmm. me anymore. I have to learn for lack of a better word, to trust and to and to to hit hit this fucker as hard as I can because I got to feed this lady every day and give her the best life I can. Keep a roof over your head. Yeah, yeah, do that all. Yeah, and and in this pandemic, I think I'm forced to create and forced to produce. It's always uh, one of my, one of the things I love is when a tree grows through the sidewalk. When I was a kid, yes, yes, I love that. Like I'm gonna put down this concrete. Fuck you. <laughs> no, they're actually. Um... On YouTube, there are photos of trees growing through a huge rock and splitting the rock in half. Mm-hmm. And that's 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 what life is like. Yeah, I have more than once been called the hardest working man in showbiz. Uh, <laughs> you go. My, wife, hey. my wife's in New York right now, and anytime she calls, here's my phone right here. Mm-hmm. Anytime she calls, I'm on Zoom or okay. I'm writing. Yeah, uh, no matter what time of day or night, and I'm lucky. I mean. How lucky are we to be able to do this for a living? Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's even, even when it's not working out and you don't know if you, you don't know if you're going to, the phone's going to ring. I still, I look at it this way. I'm like, you know what? I fucking fooled them this much. (laughs) I got this far. And then I look at my wife. My wife is so beautiful. I'm like, well, God's not going to let her starve. So I'll have to work just to feed it. (laughs) That's hilarious. Yeah. But I know how hard you work, my friend. And that's why I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us today. When, so when can we expect uh, uh, this uh, new Dexter to drop on Showtime? Fourth quarter of next year of 2021. Fourth quarter of next R- roughly year. A, roughly a year from now. Well, I know we have a lot of eager fans on this show, uh, and it sounds like millions of other people are waiting to see you work again, my friend. I'm glad you're back. Thanks, buddy. It's great Be to well. talk to you. Best to you and the family. Okay, you take care. The ADD interview was brought to you by CruiseIntoWellness.com. CruiseIntoWellness.com for all your CBD needs. Now, let's say you were born a serial killer, but your father gave you a code so you could use that instinct for good. That's child abuse. That's right. It also causes a great deal of anxiety. So why don't you do what I do? Take one of the gummies they have at CruiseIntoWellness.com. They also have edibles, tinctures, pain creams, bath products, pet products, and you get 20% off with the coupon code ADAM. 20% off anything they have at CruiseIntoWellness.com. Go. Feel better. Hi, this is Clyde Phillips, and that was 30 minutes I'll never get back. Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. 
but those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is, and it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. I really enjoyed that interview. He was so wow. open and honest, and I really like catching up with my friends. I mean, I was so excited when... He said, we are bringing Dexter back. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, she's a f- okay, so what, we're visiting uh, um, my family when Dexter was on, right? So we went one week the night it was on, and she couldn't see it because my, my mom didn't have showtime at my mother's house, right? So she's all twitchy, my wife. She, 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 she's, like, she's like itching like a junkie. <laughs> I'm, I was a major fangirl. Yeah. And, I mean, and, uh, major. And to the point where my mother goes, Alex, what the hell's the matter with you? <laughs> what are you doing to her? Yeah, and she, she and she's like, I'm missing my show. Because what show are you missing? Dexter. So next week we come back. My mother's like this. Come in the house. We got Showtime, so you can watch the damn Dexter. <laughs> you know what? I, I thought that is true love. Yeah, because that the damn great. Dexter. I they, love that they did that, and I was so happy. And I was like, when are we going to your mom's? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I'm just beyond excited that it's coming back because, you know, the lumberjack ending, you know, I, 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 don't, know, I don't know where they went. See, that, that, that's what, I know you're a big fan of the show. But I thought you would like that. He he didn't want to be tempted, so he moved. And I figured that's why you move all the time. You just keep moving. <laughs> so you haven't killed people. Because I'm a serial killer. Yeah, serial I move because I'm a serial killer. Yeah. Well, you do have a murder tub. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah. Next up, I'm going to drive my boat into a hurricane. I'm going to do that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I Mark, I know how excited you are. Uh, I am. Sorry. Surprise, motherfucker. What? <laughs> yes, that's Dokes. My, that's my ringtone. That's his ringtone? Yeah, that's my ringtone. And it's ring really tone. embarrassing when you leave your ringer on in, say, church, you know, yeah. or in a meeting. You're or like, in back of a 70-year-old lady at an ATM. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, yep, wait, that wait. too. Surprise, motherfucker. You forgot your card. <laughs> Oh, I love Dokes, too. It's one of my favorite characters of all time. Just because Dex would be like, everybody likes me, except for Dokes. They do a quick cut to Dokes. He's just staring at him with daggers in his eyes. So good. So great. Yeah, but he was so open and honest about, and I was so so intrigued about how he, the awareness he has that he puts into his work with his dad. I thought that, that was pretty cool. The sins of the father stops with me. I wish I could do that, honey. I'm sorry. I still scratch my back on a tree. Yes, you do do that. I've learned to live with it. I've seen my father do it. That's where I got it from. But what I like is that not only is he working it out for himself, mm-hmm. but by doing this TV show, by doing, you know, he can help others. Yeah. Don't you think? Yeah. You? That's what I love about some of TV shows. Mm-hmm. We can watch something and learn and grow. Yeah. It's also, I was just very impressed with his self-awareness, the work he did on himself through therapy and yes. realizing what what he has to overcome. And when he had a kid, he didn't want to pass it on. Love See, it. I, I didn't come from the awareness in my family. Is I, I had to cultivate my own awareness. You didn't go to therapy. You didn't do the shit that I do. You didn't meditate. You didn't go to therapy. You didn't try and get better. You just tried to pay the bills and that was it. My mother doesn't know. I mean, she, she'll buy Showtime to make you happy, but she has no idea about, you know, about what the family dynamic can do to people. There was no drama in our family. Okay, Ma. <laughs> Mama Ferrara. Yeah. <laughs> she just, she, she doesn't have it. She's just, you, you see people with blind spots in their family. We had a neighbor. 
right? And she's like, my, my son Arnold can't get a job. It's the economy. Yeah, that and he's drinking rum at 730 in the morning. <laughs> that could do it. That's, yeah, well, that's a little bit of a problem. Yeah, I, I think people um, express love in different ways, mm-hmm. but killing's not good. <laughs> No, I just want to put that think, on the, on the yeah, marker. I, I don't think that was an expression of love. That was like, listen, I got this thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. See, my my dad was old school, meat and potatoes, and and you're right. He he showed love. He wasn't a very affectionate man. Mm-hmm. Uh, he showed love by going to work, providing for his family, two jobs. That's the way he showed love. And I would often say, "I love you," and I would get back, "Same here." He wouldn't even say, "I love you" until the day that he died. Mm-hmm. And um, now that I have a son. I totally related to what he was talking about in the interview because I am like, I, I went the other way with Michael. Like mm-hmm. I'm totally affectionate with him. We say, I love you to each other all the time. And mm-hmm. uh, so I got what he was saying about that. Yeah. Uh, I was just going to say, you know, I, I was not very close with my dad when I was younger. We have a very great relationship now, mm-hmm. something we had to work on, but I remember, I remember sitting down with him to, to have a heart to heart with him. And we talked and, and I remember what he said to me. He said, Mike, you just got to figure things out on your own. <laughs> it's it's Mark, Dad. Yeah, oh, whatever. <laughs> I like yeah. pause for a second and then that hit me. That is so funny, dude. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, Mike. <laughs> it's Mark, Dad. Really? That's great, dude. Yeah, but that's the, the, see with my dad. I'm not. Like, we we bonded over cars, although I always felt less than because I can't fix them. Mm-hmm. You know, so mm-hmm. I and I didn't go into the business. He he went into it with his dad, and I none of, none of my brothers did either. So I know that. He only wanted the best for us, but he, it was a good business. It was a good living. It was a, it was a good life, but we just didn't go there. You know, we just, we had different talents and he encouraged me to do my talent. So I didn't really share anything with my dad as far as my profession. It's like, look, Dexter may not have the perfect relationship, but they had, they shared something. They were both killers. So there's <laughs> <Right>. that. Yeah. <laughs> Which is still not recommended. No, he's, and, and, and I love that anger. Like, look, uh, you're a killer. All right. Well, you got to kill people for good. No. No, you don't kill people. Exactly. You know the first commandment? Ah, we're going to overlook that. Thou shalt not kill. That doesn't apply to you. Yeah, thou shalt not kill unless the son of a bitch deserves it. See? Okay, no. See? No. Yeah. Still no. Yeah, you can't do that. Well, the fact that that guy said, hey, I was motivated by Dexter to kill someone. Yeah. And I thought I thought Clyde's answer was great. Listen, if this idiot can't tell the difference between fantasy and reality, that ain't my fault. Don't call me anymore. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But he did do a good job at making Dexter very likable. Oh yeah. That was the problem. Mm-hmm. You you're fighting in your mind. Like Well that that's I think you that's You didn't want him to get caught. Yeah, that's the allure of the show. The anti-hero, yeah. the 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 vigilante, the comic book—that's yeah. what it's all about. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. it, it's that—that's what it. But it's it's fantasy. Yes, <laughs> Stop I it. know that. Yeah. yeah, I know that. And how open and honest was he telling me about the dream he had about going into oh, the cave? Yeah. And what if the cave is joy? Yeah, <sighs> yeah, yeah. Um, I I like that part. Mm-hmm. And he, you both were saying, happy is hard. It is. Happy's hard. Happy is, <laughs> yeah, you got you to go through a lot of stuff uh, yeah. to be happy. I like the fact that he said he was a realist instead mm. of an optimist or a pessimist, because I get that, you know, because if you're a realist, you mm. see what's really going on, then you can move through it. Right. You know, if. Yeah, it's, it's good to be disillusioned. You just don't want to be disenchanted. Disillusioned yeah. in my head means the illusions have gone. So you can see what is because the illusions are gone. Disenchanted is you're not in. You're not enchanted to participate in life anymore. You're not excited to to play the game. Yeah, well, I, I do understand why happy is hard. 
because, you do? Yeah, because it's Then best. give me a friggin' break, lady, will you please? <laughs> <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> you yep. need to be happy. You need to trust the universe. Oh, I can, okay. Look at the universe. Okay. How could I trust? I did, for, after, after listening to this interview, I did write, scribble something down in my notebook because I'm a lunatic. But I did, <laughs> I did realize. You do do good graphs. Thank you. I make yeah. I make charts and graphs, and I, you mm -hmm. know, I'm, I'm this close to being Kevin Spacey in Seven, just scribbling. <laughs> I was going to say, this is not a manifesto you're working on, is it? Not, not yet. It's not. Going <laughs> it's up it's on an the outline. Wall. It's just an outline. <laughs> okay. and don't worry, oh, you're all in there. <laughs> I would worry if it went up on the walls. Not yet. Yes. So that's yeah. good. Yeah. No. This is the thing I learned about trust in the universe, and what, it, and I did find a trap that I set for myself. I am not going to let my trust be eroded by unfulfilled expectations of other people. In other words. Okay, that's good. If I expect yeah, that people really to good. do stuff and they don't do it, it's not a reflection on me. It's a reflection on the expectation I had of them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If only people would behave the way we want them to behave, we would be happy. That's what it is. That's I've been telling you that for years, Phil. Just listen to me and everything. Right back to me. Right right away, right back <laughs> well, to me. You're, you're, you're the course. biggest, right you're back the biggest cause of my pain. I, I am. Mm. Me. Adam, just give him a chance. <laughs> I don't, oh my I, God! I think I'm. I think I'm a realist. Mm, Are you a pessimistic I, realist? Mm, yes, I agree with Mark. I want. I want a minute. I, I agree with you, but I don't think I'm a pessimistic. I think I'm a a cynical realist. Cynical being the first step to pessimism. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the gateway. Yeah, the gateway. The gateway yeah, mood. Definitely yeah. at the gateway. Well, let's say this. <laughs> I've smoked a, a little cynicism, and now <laughs> yeah. I'm ready to snort some pessimism. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like the old joke about the optimist and the pessimist. The mm. pessimist is like, everything's terrible. It can't get any worse. And the optimist goes, oh, yes, it can. <laughs> <laughs> Phil, you're, you're... All right. Do we think Phil is an optimist or a pessimist? Honey? I would say he's an optimist with... And falls back on pessimism. Okay, I, I agree. Could, I couldn't have said it more perfectly. Like you rush, I, and I don't, I don't know you as well as I want to, Phil. But I love you because you rush into stuff with the highest of hopes and the best of intentions, and then when it goes sideways, you're like, "Yep, I knew it would go bad." There it is. See, I think is that fair? I gotta sell. I gotta sell this car. Yeah, I gotta sell it now. That's, see, I think I think Phil is a delusional optimist. <laughs> You, go, no, you know what? You're right. I like I I am like Don Draper. I am like I like the beginnings of things. Yeah. That's yeah. me. You That's see, fair. You, you set you set the you, you build all these things up in your mind to get you excited about it and then the reality of shit sets in and that's when my phone rings. Hi pal. <laughs> Yeah, that breath. That breathy high, <laughs> that stressful. <sighs> That's it. He's pills. exhausted. <laughs> He's exhausted from, from listening to himself. Oh, man. All right, what about Stern? Uh, well, I'm going to say right back what he said to me. I, have, I don't know you as well as I want to know you, but you are a very upbeat, positive guy. You do see the positive side of things. Mm -hmm. And I love your energy, which is a good thing. It's all about energy, and you have great energy. Okay. Thank you, man. Appreciate all that. Right. Honey, I would say Mark is an optimist mm -hmm. with critical thinking abilities. I don't Meaning know. he knows how to separate his emotion and like get real with stuff, mm -hmm. but he's more of an optimist. Okay, that's good. Unless he's at the bank. <laughs> right. Mm -hmm. Unless there's a woman flipping me off 
at 8 p.m., <laughs> yeah. then it's all dark yeah. and pessimism, lady. I actually <laughs> refuse to see that side of you, Mark. Okay. <laughs> I'm so glad. I'm so glad I've been able to shield you from my darker half. <laughs> yes, yes, I, and I am too, because then I, I'd have to explain my our friendship, and I don't want to have to do that. <laughs> No, I, I agree with both of you guys. Mark's energy is great, um, and I I, th- I think he's an optimist and a masochist. That's what I think he is. He's like <laughs> he sees the positives in himself, and then he beats the shit out of himself if it doesn't work out. Yeah. Oh. Okay. And, and derives some pleasure from it. I don't understand. You're, That's you're, the realist in me. Yeah. <laughs> you're great at this, Adam. Okay, now do me. Do you? You're an unbridled optimist that I have to pull into reality. <laughs> I'm a unicorn. <laughs> You, are. you didn't even think about that. <laughs> no, because I've lived with it. I've lived with it. You're like, look at that man. He's he's so outdoorsy, honey. He's homeless. Get in the car. <laughs> I have been working on my critical thinking abilities. Yes, you have. You you have mm-hmm. been. And I don't I don't want to I don't want to to stop that that positive flow of positive energy because mm-hmm. that's the only thing that keeps me in this world. <laughs> but but I still got to protect you from yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, Mark. I love. Alex, your optimism, Mm -hmm. and I think it's one of your defining characteristics, and it's why I adore you so much. I feel like that if if it was you and me on the top of the Titanic when it's going down, this is exactly what you'd say to me. Man, look at the stars tonight. They're just gorgeous. Like, (laughs) that's how you look at the world. You always find something beautiful in it, and and I love that about you. I feel bad, Mark, because when the Titanic is going to go down, if that's how I lose you, that's how I lose you, but she's in a frigging lifeboat with me, so... I don't know how you painted that picture in your head, but I need you to be a realist. I'm taking her first. I'm sorry there wasn't room for you. Oh. This is the way it ends. We'll see you in the next life. We can make more I want to thank my friend Clyde Phillips for being on the show. Dexter is going to premiere on Showtime later this year, and we are all very excited. Honey, I'm so excited. Honey, if they want to get a hold of us, where do they go? Adam Farrar at Gmail. And if you get a chance to leave us a review like Anita said she was going to, it helps. It helps us with our friend, Mr. Algorithm. Thank you guys so much. The show is growing. We're very excited about that. It's all because of you. If you have time to tell someone you love about the show, that would be great. And if you have somebody you hate, tell them about it anyway. It's a good way to piss them off. (laughs) (laughs) Please remember, life is hard. Take it easy on yourself. The pod has ended. Go in peace. Mark, have you learned your lesson? What what lesson am I supposed to learn? The lesson is you should have kept the card. (laughs) Right. Yes, no good deed goes unpunished, you dopey hill dwarf. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because you know if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. 
Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. You can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that.